from depression to diabetes to obesity and addictions. Our medical problems are climbing and are now at epidemic rates. This is why I started this podcast, Your Health Transformed, to educate you, to teach you, so we can all learn how to combat these increasing medical problems and live well again and become transformed. I am your host, Dr. Franchelle Hamilton, bariatric surgeon, and have seen these medical problems and treated them firsthand. I am now on a journey to help transform health, not just band-aid it. So thank you for listening and going on this journey with me and all of my guests on Your Health Transformed. Today, I'm excited to talk about, to talk with our guest, Dr. Randall Bell, who's coined the term, the master of disaster, which could be um, a great thing. (laughs) And he does so many things. He has several books out, um, talks about several different topics. But today, I'm excited to talk to him about his recent book, Post-Traumatic Thriving. So welcome to the show, Dr. Bell. Well, Dr. Hamilton, it is a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Well, thank you. Say the pleasure is all mine. So I was telling, we were talking earlier because I've heard of this idea of post-traumatic thriving, and people always look at like traumas as like a bad thing, um, and how am I going to get over it? And no one looked at it as almost like a, a way to learn from it and thrive from it. So I'm really excited to kind of talk to you about on this topic. And we, you mentioned before, because I was like, who is this book for? And you're like, it's for everybody. It's for anybody who has experienced any type of trauma. So I have to ask first, what made you come out with this book, like this so needed book? Well, Dr. Hamilton, I got the idea for this book well over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I have an, an interesting career, I'm not that interesting, but my career is. And uh, I study disasters. I've studied them literally on seven continents, uh, everything wow. from the World Trade Center to John Bonet Ramsey and uh, Flight 93 crash site and nuclear test sites. And, and I'm an economist. I calculate the numbers. But then I started meeting the people behind the statistics. I, be, I became very fascinated by their journeys and how some bounce back more successfully than others. Yeah. And I started documenting it. And I thought, given the fact I have this unique access, I, I really need to I need to put a book together and, and make this information available. Yeah. And so even in your line of work, because the things that you've looked at, like you've mentioned a couple like major disaster situations, you have found that some people come out of that during doing really, really well. And so that's, you've kind of cumulated these stories in this book. What are you seeing in the people who kind of not only just get through or just get by, but end up thriving after a major trauma? Well, I think, as you know, that the book is divided into three parts. There's dive, survive and thrive. And dive is where we get knocked or, uh, you know, dive is where we get knocked down and survive is where we get back on our feet and kind of reclaim our lives. But there's a certain uh, segment of that whole population that is not satisfied with just survival. They Mm -hmm. want to they they kind of tap into that energy of the trauma and they do remarkable things. Yeah. And 
that's what I find really inspiring is that people were knocked down and now they're doing something amazing. That's, yeah. that's an interesting conversation. It is because in your book, it's, it's, it's one thing to survive, right? Meaning they get back to kind of their normal daily routine, I'm assuming. And then mm-hmm. it's another thing to almost be better and do better than they were before the disaster. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, that's exactly it. And we we can learn a lot from them. And and not only their stories, but I think, you know, again, I think you probably know this, but the science is so good in terms of the brain neurology and understanding what, what we go through when we go through trauma and the five stages of grief and all of that. Um, but the, the science is also spectacular when it comes to the techniques that get us from just surviving to thriving. So it's science-based, but it's the book comes alive with all the stories of people that, that have actually done this stuff because it really works. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, no, I think that's great. So we'll jump into it. So what are when somebody goes through a trauma, what are the three choices that they face typically that you, you discuss? Well, it's it's basically that, to dive, stay, stay defeated. And I don't say that to be judgmental because I haven't been through what some people have uh, been through, obviously, but to stay where you are and, and stay defeated. Uh, the other is to get back on your feet and, re, you know, just do the same thing. And the other is to tap into that energy and thrive. Those are really the three stages, dive, survive or thrive. And, and those are the three choices. And, and you're saying they're all choices for us to make. Like anybody who goes through a trauma can make these choices. It, like it's. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Uh, the motto I have is the problem's not the problem. The problem is how we react to the problem. Yeah. So whatever, you know, life gives us, you know, I call it the difficult D's, death, disease, divorce, destruction, disaster, all yeah. these things, That's they good. knock us down and we have a choice to make after that problem. And the problem is now, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to react to this? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And so let's go over kind of the, like, and you mentioned this briefly, the five stages of grief, like, and, and if you can define those, because I don't know if everybody in the audience will know what that is, but um, if you want to elaborate on that and how that well, relates sure. to trauma. Yeah, it's kind of classic psychology. I'm not a psychologist. Mm-hmm. I'm a, actually a sociologist, but, um, and when I had this kind of epiphany um, uh, many years, a couple decades ago, uh, I went back to school. Uh, to, to study it, but but it starts with shock. That's officially not one of the five stages of grief, but that's chapter one in the book to understand the physiology of shock. That when we um, are in normal life, where you there's three brains: there's the inner reptilian brain, then there's the midbrain, emotional mammal brain, and then the outer human brain. So we're driving along in the freeway with our human brain and logic and conversation. And then we get into an accident or any kind of trauma that brain turns off and the reptilian instinct brain turns on where it's all about survival. And that's why trauma literally rewires the brain. It's so important to understand shock. And then to, to really directly answer your question, then you get into denial and anger and bargaining and, and, and normally people kind of land on depression. And then mm-hmm. those are all completely normal. People understand, yeah. need to understand it's okay to be angry. Just don't hurt anybody. Don't hurt yourself. But it's okay to, to be angry. Uh, and it's okay to be depressed. But the thing is, we just don't want to get stuck there. Two or three months, uh, we should be getting out of that stage. And if we're not, we need to really reach out for some help. Yeah. And then the last, I believe, is acceptance, right? Like when you've kind of gone through this, 
Whether I, I like your D's, by the way, whether it's divorce, <laughs> death, disaster, destruction, I like those because that's so true. Um, yeah. And then you kind of, like you said, have this in that shock response. You have cortisol, you have stress. It's almost like, um, and I, and I talk about this too. It's almost like an ir, a reactive at this point. You're not really thinking things through. You're just kind of reacting in the kind of the shock stage, like. Let me save myself. Let me help myself. The flight or flight, there's a mammoth running behind me type of mentality. And then you're right. You kind of work through all these stages. So I'm curious to know, and, and based on science, because I'm a nerd in this um, area, what have, have the scientists and you have seen that helps take people from survive to thrive? Like what, what energy is that that you have mentioned? Like and how do people find that? Yeah, great question, Dr. Hamilton. The, the, the way I think about it and the way I present it in the book is there's some research that comes out of um, University of uh, California at Riverside on happiness. And all the studies were done. And what it boils down to is that half of our level of thriving or happiness is according to DNA. In other words, it's in our genes. Some people are naturally kind of melancholy and depressed, maybe. Uh, some people are just kind of, you know, upbeat and happy. And half of that's our DNA. Um, and, and if we have a problem in that regard, there, there are outstanding medications for that. Um, then 10% of our happiness is what happens to us. So the trauma that, that affects us is actually only responsible for 10% of our happiness. But here's the sweet spot. 40% of thriving is or not thriving, that choice is dependent on the choices we make for activities and habits and, and attitudes that we conscientiously decide to adapt or, or reject. So oh. if, we, if we keep our eye on where we really have control on that 40%, that's a big part of why some people dive, survive, or thrive is what choices we make. And then I get into what those choices look like so people know, have that, have the education to make good choices. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So that's a, that's a huge chunk. And I don't even know if I knew, obviously I should know because genetics plays a role in everything, but I didn't know we could be genetically wired to be more happier or, or not. That was interesting. But then we still have like in everything, this percentage that is, that is choice-based that even though we're, and I'll, I've talked about this before, even though we're created with this set amount of genes, like that doesn't have to be our fate, right? Like there's people that are more prone to, I always say like heart disease or diabetes or whatever it is, but then you still have options and choices to make where that doesn't have to be your fate. So it sounds like it's very same as far as your traumatic experience. You have people that genetically will just naturally, you know, get through it and survive, Right. And then you have people then that can make the choice to do some of these other things that you were you were discussing. It's interesting. Yeah. And, and another way of thinking about it is you, we all have kind of a baseline, which is largely dependent on our DNA, uh, kind of our baseline. And then some people win the lotto and some people get a leg amputated. But what's interesting yeah. in either case, after a period of time, both people, both usually both people usually return to their baseline. So, um, so that in other words, the person that wins the lotto thinks they're going to be happy forever, but wherever they were on their baseline, that's really where they're going to end up long-term. And the same person that goes through, you know, a, a, a 
tragedy like losing a leg or, or any kind of thing like that um, also returns to the baseline. They become as happy as they were beforehand. So that's kind of the, the interesting science behind all of this. Wow. Wow. That that's, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a nugget right there. That's really interesting. Yeah. And so the other thing, so you have all these different like stories that you talk about in your mm-hmm. book as like illustrations. So you, you, these are people that you guys have either interviewed who have gone through traumatic experience. Tell us a little bit about how, why you use some of these stories just for better illustration or. Yeah, you got to take the science. I mean, science is great. And I'm a nerd like you, you just said you're a nerd. Well, I, so am I, <laughs> you know, but, but so we're, we're, we're uh, siblings in that regard. Yeah. We, um, but you got to bring the science alive and you yeah. got to see it act, actually in work. And I really want to, comp- you know, help people persuade people to understand that this stuff really does work. This isn't just you know, some anecdotal fly-by-night advice. There's studies that have come out of Harvard about grounding and meditation. Uh, there, there's just all kinds of science, but you got to show that how it actually applies in people's lives. There you have a better shot at yeah. kind of getting people to, to take it seriously. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And so, and I'm sure you've dealt, and like you've said, before you even thought about this book, you had real life people that you've seen that were in any one area of the three, any one three area of this, you know, of after dealing with trauma, they either died or they either survived or they either thrived. Do you give all like stories to all of those examples in your book? Well, yeah, because at the end of each chapter, there's 15 chapters, uh, you know, five per section, dive, survive and thrive. And I follow the story from the initial shock. Like one lady I went to high school with her, she, her husband was leading a secret double life. I knew him too from high school. He committed suicide. And then oh, she wow. discovered that he had a secret life of drugs and prostitutes and gambling and all their savings wow. were wiped out and he wow. had committed suicide. Well, that's very, very shocking. So I, I talk about that. I talk about a, a woman who found out her sister was murdered. And the oh. shock of that. And then another gentleman who uh, was convicted of murder and spent 22 years in San Quentin. He's in the book. So these are really um, um, these are really real cases. I know all these yeah. folks. They're my yeah. friends. Um, and we've gotten to know each other. The guy that came up with the term PTSD, he's in the book. You know, his story yeah. with Vietnam and being there in Vietnam and seeing dozens of his buddies uh, sliced up and, and killed or yeah. made. So it's really hard hitting, real trauma. And we start with the shock, but at the end of the book, you see what, how, what, how they've handled it in each yeah. stage. And we learn a lot from that. Yeah. Yeah. That was going to be my other question. Like, um, if there's any, like, maybe tips because th- those are major traumas right like oh, yeah. there's people like walking around that's like man i got hit by a car that, like and then you're like talking about a double life which is one whammy a suicide another like savings are gone that's almost like three traumas in one you know what i'm saying yeah. so yeah. we need that, that book sounds like it'll also help us put some stuff in perspective you know what i'm saying but again it's what we perceive as trauma right and and kind of how we handle it but yeah, but I, I like I like what you say, but the, you know, like I I talk about one of my my traumas because um, I'm I'm in the party too with life, you know. Yeah, yeah, was, we're all here. Yeah, yeah, and I was born with a congenital heart defect, 
Uh, I had open heart surgery when I was 11. I made the classic mistake, and this is mistake number one with people dealing with trauma, is they bury it. They don't want to talk about it. It's ugly. It's embarrassing. And that's exactly what I did. When we do that, we start an internal war within ourselves, and that manifests Mm -hmm. in all kinds of self-medication in unhealthy ways. Um, And one of the solutions is exactly what I'm doing now. And I actually learned it from inmates in San Quentin prison. Uh, You sit in the fire and you talk about it. Now Mm -hmm. I talk about it. When I used to talk about it, literally my my cardiologist would put a cuff on my arm and my blood. And she said that my blood pressure went to through the roof and my pulse was 150 just sitting there. Now I talk about it and, and my blood, my pulse rate is probably around 60. So the stuff really does stuff physiologically to us. Yeah, no, I no, I 100 percent agree. And as a physician, I also see that Um, when we're talking about because that's big for me, too. Like when you're coming in, they come in with one complaint or one concern, but it's actually wrapped up in something else. And you're exactly right. It's just manifesting as something right. You'd be surprised So somebody comes in for hypertension. That's maybe a manifestation of a trauma that they're not dealing with. I actually do a lot of that in my practice and I identify, okay, this is, it's not the blood pressure that needs to be treated. It's something else. And I really think it's important for a lot of physicians too, to recognize that because believe it or not, they, we get a lot of people who come with a complaint that is just a manifestation, in my opinion, wholeheartedly of a trauma that they're still trapped inside of them that they haven't dealt with. And so that's why I wanted you on the show. And that's why I wanted to talk about your book, because I 100% believe that a lot of bodily and physiologic functions is a manifestation of trauma, because your book has like a lot of like major, major, like high up there traumas. But then there's other traumas that we may experience on a day to day basis that's affecting us and not even know that they're affecting us. I mean, would your book help those people like for people who just go to work and they feel like they're being biased against or, you know, all kinds of stuff that ha- happens on the in the world? You know what I'm saying? Or a loss of job, which is a trauma, but it's not, you know what I'm saying? They can find another job, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. does that, would it help those people also? You hit the nail on the head. The answer is absolutely yes. Uh, unresolved trauma, in my yeah. opinion, is the number one problem facing humanity, facing yeah. the world, particularly childhood trauma. Yeah. goes unresolved. When you sit with the inmates uh, or you sit within the homeless shelter where I volunteer literally right down the street from where I am now, uh, or you go into the Orange County jail system where I'm from and, and meet people that have really been hit hard yeah. uh, and made some bad choices and you dig into it. It's those unresolved uh, childhood traumas. They're explosive. They're very destructive. If we can address that, um, yeah. it's amazing what kind of world we'll have. And if we don't change the world, we're at least we're going to change our world if we address yeah. those traumas, particularly childhood traumas. Yeah. Number one. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. I actually did a blog on this the other day. I was talking to a psychologist and I found out from her that um, a lot bullying and some of the other things, divorce rate at a young age, like all of these things that may happen to kids that they don't know kind of how to deal with when they become adults that actually can lead to literally medical, not only depression, right, and anxiety, but medical problems like obesity and diabetes because the parents got divorced and the kid didn't know how to deal with it. I mean, it's just shocking how these things can manifest later. So 
Yeah, you're not. You're right. They're not only shocked. You uh, agree 100. percent And it's not only shocking, but it's preventable. But we're yeah. not taught this stuff in schools. Uh, and this is a life skill we all need because by college age, 66 to 85 percent of us have been impacted by a trauma. I yeah. had my trauma when I was 11 with yeah. open heart surgery. But by college age, it's the majority of people have been hit by something. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. So with that being said, what is the most important like tip that you would give to help deal with trauma in, in all age groups? Hmm. Yeah, Dr. Hamilton, I'm so glad you asked that because in the book, I kick off with right in chapter one because I want to get people healing. And I've seen, I've been through the whole spectrum of what you can do. And I call it the dynamic duel. There's actually two things you can do. One, I've already mentioned sitting in the fire. You, you cannot heal from trauma by yourself. It is not a solo mm -hmm. exercise. And you got to accept that. And you got to find whether it's a therapist or a trauma coach or a trusted family member. Yep. somebody who is wise enough to know how to navigate and simply listen. Uh, but you've got to get that stuff off your chest and talk mm -hmm. about it. Uh, so you sit in the fire. That's number one. And number two um, is what we call grounding. The first time I ever meditated in my life was I was in my 50s. And I was literally sitting between two convicted murderers in San Quentin prison and they oh, wow. and they had a, a meditation. They call it grounding session. And I was I was scared enough, you know, being there. Um, but then I realized how calm these gentlemen were, how they had turned their lives around genuinely. One guy in prison came up to me and says, "You know, Doctor Bell, I may be in prison for the rest of my life, but it's being, it's going to be a clean, honorable life." And that really oh. hit me. You know, wow. it wasn't to try and fake a parole. It was it was a genuine change of heart. And I loved the practice so much. I went home and started kind of doing it in my awkward way. Well, I had some secondary heart problems. I went to my cardiologist and she told me, hey, you need to start meditating. <laughs> wow. Yay. Good for her. I've never yeah. heard. So I got the message from both ends. And, and finally, I, I started doing that. Blood pressure went down. Dr. Hamilton, I was on five medications, five. Uh, I'm off yeah. all of them now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm telling you, this stuff works. Grounding and, and sitting in the fire are the dynamic duo, duo that really work. Wow. And so when you say grounding, it's, it's meditating. Is it a certain type of yeah. meditating or what? You it? can call it yoga, meditation, okay. Lamaze, deep breathing exercises, rewires the parasympathetic yeah. uh, sympathetic flight, flight, freeze. It's all in the book and there's diagrams yeah. so we understand what's going on medically. There's over a dozen studies out of Harvard Medical School. Sarah Lazar did the research mm -hmm. and it's brilliant. And it proves with brain scans that, that yeah. the grounding exercises turn life around. They really do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with that. So so with that being said, we're all in this continued pandemic that we thought would be over by now. Um, I'm currently actively working in it. And so that is a traumatic experience for a lot of people in itself. I'm concerned how many people are going to come out of this. Um, I have concerns that all the medical problems that we briefly discussed here will potentially be worsened. There's clearly people who've lost jobs, lost their loved ones because of this. What would you recommend like for people kind of almost like going through it now? Like, yeah. and even if they haven't had a traumatic event yet, you know what I'm saying? Kind of ways to be able to kind of deal with this. 
Well, uh, I can I can really answer that one because on January 10th of this year, I got COVID and okay. I was unfortunately one of the bad cases. I don't I'm not trying to sound dramatic, uh, but there were nights I went to sleep. I wasn't sure I was going to wake up. The, the, the okay. symptoms, the coughing, the fatigue, it was it was horrific. It knocked me down for four or five months. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was a rough case. I probably should have gone to the hospital, but I just didn't want to go. Um, Anyway, uh, I followed the advice of my own book. You know, I was really down. I had to decide the same things that we're talking about myself. I had to decide, am I going to really practice what I preach here or am I going to just throw in the towel because it was rough? Anyway, I did exactly what we talked about. You know, I talked about it. I got a therapist on the phone and, you know, sit in the fire, what I was going through. You sit in the fire. And I yeah. I made sure I kept with my grounding practices. I'll just cut to the chase. Uh, today, uh, I'm, I'm back to running five miles a day. So oh, I've made it. I, and I give credit to these principles. The, the book is packed full of wisdom. I don't want to take credit for it. I've just had the ability to sit with really wise people and document what they said. Yeah. And now I'm following their advice myself and yeah. I'm back on my feet. So anybody going through COVID, the, the solutions are there. Yeah. Okay. No, that's great. That's great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for this wisdom. I love or really enjoyed talking to you. You can find Dr. Bell and his book at drbell.com. So thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Hamilton. Wonderful to talk with you. Same here. I hope this message continued to empower you and inspire you to continue on your health transformation journey. Thank you for listening and please subscribe or download if you like what you're hearing. The goal is to continue to inform you and educate you as you transform on your healthcare journey and show you different paths to take in order to get you to your goal. Until next time, Thank you.